to the Microsoft 365 Developer Podcast with your hosts, Jeremy Thake and Paul Schaeflein. Each week, you'll catch us speaking to expert developers about new tech, lessons learned, and opinions in this space. How are you doing, Jeremy? Good, man. It's been uh, a long week post-Ignite uh, hungover, I guess. It's uh, slowly getting back to normal here, and calendars are looking a little bit more open to be able to schedule meetings with people. Yeah, but knowing Microsoft, that'll last, what, a week and a half? <laughs> yeah, we're already doing build planning. I, I, can can, I can absolutely believe it. Yeah, I do. I can. But the, interestingly enough, uh, the some of the stuff that came out uh, at Ignite, one peculiar item that, and I don't mean this in a critical way, but you know, we did some training content on the teams and talking about the bot. And of course, we started the training content three months ago, and was working on Bot Framework V3. And when V4 got released at Ignite, and the V3 SDK went away, <laughs> so it disappeared. disappeared. <laughs> yes, exactly. So uh, that team, at least, is ready to move on, right? Let's go. So, which is kind of interesting. And, and in all reality, it's not a huge problem. I mean, you, the, the 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 NuGet packages are still there and so on. But it was just the I'm sorry, it was the Visual Studio extension that got uh, got pulled. So it was kind of interesting. But yeah. So, well, they don't want to enable it, I guess, because I don't want you to carry on using yeah. that thing. Yeah, but... and like I said, any existing code still works. So it's not—I don't mean to sound an alarm. I just found it interesting that these guys are moving. They're, they're let's go on. What's next? So it was pretty, pretty exciting. Yeah, I mean, it's all headed up by Lily Chen, and I forget what episode number that was. Now we did that a while ago with Yohai. Let's let's look on the fly here. It was one three six. It was like the fourth one after our reboot. Um, so Yohai leads that up and. Um, I did notice there was a few real change in change announcements yesterday around Cortana and who owns that now and who owns bots and where they live within Regess's organization here. So I think there's a more and more focus there, which is going to be interesting for us for certain. And uh, so is your new machine turned up? I know you'd, you'd got one on order now that you're a new employee and don't want to use your own hardware. Yeah, the so we're, we're getting the new Surface Pro that was announced the week after Ignite. So that would have been last week, I guess. Uh, and nice. So it's it's pre-ordered. Did you, was it the carbon carbon black? Uh, or no, no. The, the corporate colors are orange and gray. So we're going with the platinum. Although I looked high and low for orange, because uh, so, <laughs> that's. <laughs> you could get a custom spray uh, job and per, expense perhaps, it. I'm sure where's uh, my mind? Perhaps, perhaps. Yeah, which is interesting because, you know, when I was independent running Shapeline Consulting, it was orange and green were the colors. So I'm, I'm on, all on board with the orange. So. Oh, is that right? But yeah, the, no black one there. <laughs> so maybe these, maybe you can see my ugly mug when we do these recordings uh, if the new machine works better than this. Yeah, every time we try and do these intros, your video is just like, yeah, we need to turn that off because you're just bringing down the entire internet in Chicago. Uh, perhaps, perhaps. Although I think the machine itself is what's what's bad. I, I, I have a long in the tooth Surface Pro three that I'm running with, and it's it's been great. But time for time for a refresh. So time for it to become part of the bookcase. Yeah, the, the wife is eyeballing it, but I'm not so sure it's going to make it. I th- I would think. <laughs> It's, I might have to replace that, but we'll work it out. So anyways, um, hey, one other bit of news, you know, we, we put a bunch of lists together and I forgot to mention uh, my my um, Office 365 tenant is now enabled for Microsoft Search. So I turned that on this morning and I'm excited to see what kind of good stuff uh-huh. I can find in there. So I miss did, they, did you get a notification for that or did you just notice uh, it was I got there? a notification that they were turning it on for EN language tenants. But I still – I had to go in and, and turn it on myself and configure it. But the, the settings for Microsoft Search showed up in O365 admin. And so uh, and yeah. I had to go through the wizard. Uh, the first thing I wanted to Wait. do was feed in the, the podcast feed in there for searching – for example, trying to find the bot framework episode would have been easier, but that capability is not there just yet. So we'll have to work out uh, how to get the external sources pumped in there as well. That would be good. Yeah, I think they're going to do like default s- source types, right? But I know like some there's another group in our team that are working really closely on um, more of what used to be done in uh, – what was that called? Uh, external content types 
to uh, allow SharePoint to crawl in content from other sources. Right. Uh, BCS and whatever that was called. And then um, what was in Fast had a different term. And I can't remember what that term was called, too. I'm drawing blanks on these things now. It's been so long uh, since I've done Dev on well, the Well, perhaps we should find Naomi or some such person to talk about Microsoft well, Search. <laughs> We, we can talk to an engineer um, down the hallway. The, even, so, uh, the, um, but uh, the, it's still on whiteboards. <laughs> They're not kind of as far along as I think people uh, assumed from the keynotes and the different search sessions, um, which is good because it means that partners have the ability to kind of uh, influence where that's going. But, um, yeah, uh, I think there's a lot of people thinking that the ability to connect in with their own custom systems is just going to drop overnight. Um that those guys are still working out the architecture before they even start building it. So that's just kind of a heads up there, depending how quickly you think that's going to come through. And if you can't wait, the Azure search service can do that. I actually have, uh, have right. that running on for my blog. So and I have documented that on my blog back in the day. So um, we'll have to add, a, add that link uh, in yeah. the show notes. Or just go to my blog and search for search, right? <laughs> but either way, that's <laughs> a little true. meta. It's like in, Inception. <laughs> um, and then I guess the other thing that uh, I'm working on is I kind of, since I've been on board, I've been doing a lot of uh, project managing of different initiatives to improve the developer experience, whether it's kind of improving the blog and the website and hopefully finally getting the docs over to docs.microsoft.com within the next month. It's uh, been a long, grueling process. Um, but uh, I wanted to have some actually spec work uh, in the service itself. And so... Uh, Yina has assigned me to look after the exchange uh, permission scopes. And so we have kind of like mail read write, and we have you know, mail send as permission scopes, but we don't really have any granularity there. And so along the lines of, well, if all I really want to do is see where the email was when it was sent, who it was to, who it was from, and the subject line, but I don't want to have access to the body or to the attachments of the email. You know, there's no granular scope that allows that. And so we're looking at a mail.readbasic permission scope at the moment, and then some additional permission scopes um, around things like having access to particular folders, whether it's the archive folder or uh, the conversation history folder and so forth, just so that you don't have to ask for as much if you're only going to do a certain need. Um, so if anyone's listening and using the mail API right now and has this thing where customers are pushing back on them going, yeah, we don't really want to approve that, that consent. Can you be even more fine-grained? I'd love you to ping me on Twitter at jthake or jthake at microsoft.com and just let me know what your scenario is. And we'll try and get that into the spec that we're um, getting approved in the next few weeks and hopefully shipping by the end of the year. So that's going to be a bit of fun for me to kind of work a bit close with engineers on things that are actually running in the service. And I'm excited that you're working on that. I think that there's a lot of potential for that, although there's the slippery slope. Everyone says we need more granular scopes, and then they get them and say, oh, it's too hard to manage scopes because there's so many of them. So I think it's yeah. the fine line, yeah. right? And, and inevitably... Yeah, that we'd had some we'd had some interesting requests, uh, you know, a permission scope that was time-based, so only consent access to email messages in the inbox that have arrived today. So you can't go back in time, but you can just see the ones that, uh, when you make the call that from today. And, and, and I've heard people request, uh, I want to grant consent to my mailbox right now, but in an hour I want that to go away, kind of like the timed links in, in OneDrive. Ah, so yeah. Lots yeah, yeah, of, yeah. Well, so there's some feedback for you. How's that? Yeah, I like that one. I hadn't, I hadn't got that on my uh, potentials list. So, yes, yeah, so if you have anything like that and you're listening, please let me know because, uh, you know, we are definitely up for feedback on this to make sure we get this right and, um, you know, have as much different signals from different partners and enterprise devs as possible. Great. So the interview this week, uh, uh, you again handled this one for me. Thank you uh, for being out on site. So uh, Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it was uh, – I mean, they're all colleagues actually. So Kea Patel and uh, Juan – um, Balmori, uh, I've been in the office space for a long, long time, and actually talking this interview about how long they've been in Microsoft and how long they've worked on this uh, particular feature set, and uh, they give a lot of insight, which was interesting for me because four or five years ago, we announced at the time apps for Office, which turned into Office add-ins, um, and you know it's nice to see 
how mature that platform's gone in terms of kind of SSO. And uh, I mean, he goes into detail about the breadth of Office JS now and the amount of features they announced at Ignite is just incredible. So it's a really good interview and um, they're fun to talk to too. So I hope you enjoy the show. Uh, Excellent. Sounds great. And then next week, we have Abram from uh, Microsoft Graph Data Connect, which was all the hot news at Ignite. And so um, we're going to go into great amounts of detail with him on kind of like why we're doing this and what's there and what's going to be there. And and hopefully you'll find that super interesting. And I'm talking to a bunch of partners that are really pumped to have this a different different way of getting at the data inside of Microsoft 365 um, in a more of a way to do with analytics. So Hopefully, um, that'll be a great show next week I look as well. forward to hearing that. And one thing that struck me when I first heard about this is is the great length that the team has gone to to make sure that this data is secure. From Office 365 to Azure, it's still in the customer tenant. It doesn't leave unless you know someone does something stupid. But, but great pains taken to make sure that things don't end up in in places they shouldn't be so that's certainly a something people need to keep in mind that it's not not just dumping data but it's actually making sure it's protected which is a top-notch technology no, no doubt yeah and, and interestingly um andrew connell has been working with us on um, a paid gig to write the training content for that and we just launched the lab yesterday so if you are interested in the data connect and you want to like kick the tires with it. The tutorial takes you from a blank office 365 tenant all the way through to having the sample working that was demoed on stage in my session and in Abram and Tyler's session. So um, yes, yeah, it's, it's really good. It's called the screenshots and step-by-steps of exactly what you need to do. So um, we'll make sure that's in the show notes as well. Awesome. Well, that sounds great. And uh, look forward to chatting again next week. Cool. Have a good weekend, my friend, and uh, we'll speak next week. Okay, so I am live today in Building 36, which is kind of in between the two buildings I've worked in here at Microsoft. And usually I'd walk, but it was raining so hard today (laughs) that I called a shuttle. And I always find it funny that people are like, oh, Uber's so innovative. And it's like Microsoft have these shuttles that they've had forever on campus that you call and they'll pick you up and drop you wherever you want to go. Um, and yet this company's made a billion dollar business out of doing exactly the same thing for the public. Go figure. Um, I have Juan and Kuyo on the show today. So thanks very much for taking time out of your schedules to chat about your stuff. Hey, Jeremy. Hey. Thanks for inviting us. We um, Thanks, Jeremy. What I usually do is get the PMs to explain how they got into tech. So I'll start with you, Kuyo. Like, at what point did you know that this was your place? And did you have a career before this or did you ramp straight up into tech? Well, uh, for me, I go way back. And for when I say way back, I was probably 12 years old. It was the summertime and uh, my dad bought me this book and it was the Bill Gates uh, biography. And at the time he was talking about all the... Uh, joys of startup startup life when Microsoft was itty-bitty. They were in Albuquerque, New Mexico, and uh, they were talking about how Bill would take his Porsches out for joy rides <laughs> late in the evenings and oftentimes would end up with uh, different speeding tickets. Um, so that... Uh, I liked cars. That it, that actually inspired me. And I, at the time, I uh, liked computers. I actually, uh, for me, it was art that got me into computers. And it was Microsoft Paint because it was really cool to just create uh, different like car pictures, helicopters in paint. And uh, that inspired me to learn more about technology. That's awesome. So what car do you have? I'm intrigued now. I didn't know you were a car guy. I have an Audi Q5. Oh, nice. Okay. Uh, so it uh, does pretty well, but my favorite car that we have uh, being an employee at Microsoft is this thing called the Microsoft Connector. <laughs> and what that uh, allows uh, employees to do is essentially hop on the shuttle, uh, don't even think about traffic. Uh, you can disconnect or de-work uh, and just get on and have a ride to work. So it's all, it's probably my top benefit that we have it over here. And Juan yourself? Yeah, well, my story is it's kind of similar to Kajor's oh, yeah. uh, in the sense, but, but I was mo- mostly into games at the beginning, you know, uh, with, you know, Atari. I remember until very old games in television, but I was a super fan of them. 
and I was always wanting to, uh, you know, understand how they were built. Uh, so for me, it was always clear that I wanted to do computer science. Well, it was super clear for me. And then when I was in, in high school and college, I remember, you know, using all these products, Lotus, one, two, three, and WordStar, you guys remember? I don't know if you could re if you ever use it, but uh, suddenly this, this product word show up, you know, uh, it was amazing UI and, and you know, I, I was always curious about how those products are, are built and I ended up here. So, and you've both been product managers at Microsoft. How long have you been there, Juan? I've been in Microsoft eighteen years. Wow! I started in consulting. Actually, <laughs> we just had Nick Crane on the show last week, and he's been here twenty years. Yeah. Um, and some of the projects he worked on, I was like, "Wow, you've really influenced things here at Microsoft. That's pretty incredible." Yeah, I started in the consultant. I started as a consultant in Microsoft Consulting in Mexico. Yeah, and you know, uh, it was great. You know, that's one of the things that I love more today in the product groups because we are kind of hyper hyper passionate about customers. And back then, you know, working with them daily, you know, looking what, what they like, what they don't like, uh, using our products. Uh, it, for me, kind of, I feel that's that's the value that I add to the product room. You know, having that experience on 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 consulting, and then moving back, moving here to Redmond in two thousand five, uh, and since then working in office actually for that whole time. Yes. Wow, that's incredible. Yeah, my first project was Duet, you know, and then mm -hmm. we, I actually met Kay. This is a funny story actually, because when we started the new platform for Adens, something that probably we're going to talk in a second. Uh, I remember that we were building this new platform uh, since, you know, Office was moving to, uh, you know, to the cloud and in, in many platforms, we needed a new model to to provide developers extensibility, mm -hmm. you know, and I was part of the team that actually started Office Adens and Kayer was in Excel, you remember yep, that? I was, I was the PM uh, dedicated to the APIs uh, in Excel at the time. Yeah, so I remember we going were... with Kayer and, and we were dreaming about this API that can use across, uh, not only Excel, but also Word, PowerPoint, and also across platforms. Right. And Kayer was a PM in Excel back then. Yeah. And yeah. we actually shipped the first API, that 1.0 API in 2013 it was, yep, right? Excel 2013, mm -hmm. yeah. Office 2013. Uh, had our at the time they were called uh, the model was uh, apps for office. That's right. Yes. And then we realized uh, oh. people were getting confused with Word Excel. We also call it yeah. You remember, yeah. You could, we remember I call it. You remember the first name for uh, for Adins? It was Moe's. Yes, modern, modern off, office extension. Right. And we had uh, <laughs> from the Simpsons uh, a sticker of the of Mo the cartoon character. Oh, I remember that. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then it was a Gava. Eh? And then we, the code name was yes. Agave, yes. Right. The code name was Agave. Uh, and in yeah. fact, many, many, many people in office still know them adding as Agave today. I've been in conversations where they still call them Agave. So yeah. It was five years ago now. Yeah. yeah. We, yep, that's part that's of our, our lingo. Yes. And yes. as you know, because you listen to some of the podcasts, which Man, I, I love your podcast. Awesome, it's so awesome. I'm not By the way, I don't have a car, I bike to work. So when I'm biking, <laughs> <laughs> I'm listening to all your, your shows. It's oh, crazy. Awesome. Don't crash. <laughs> um, you know, I screw up name pronunciation all the time. I'm not even going to try. And how would you pronounce your sur how do you pronounce your surname to an American audience? For me, it's Balmori. It's uh, yeah, nobody ever gets it right, but it's similar to Balmer, Balmori. Balmori. Yeah. Okay. Then we have Juan Balmori. Yes. Boom. Done. And Kay Spanish is yeah. pretty straightforward. Yeah. My first name, I get all different variations of Kayer here. They had a coworker who who was. Uh, one time, uh, couldn't really pronounce my name, and he he just called me Key because <laughs> it's spelled K E Y U R. Well, so he, he came with a shortcut. So. <laughs> and then, so, so, you, so you've been in office extensibility for a long time, it seems. And yeah. um, I was around when we launched the apps for Office, which then became add-ins for yes. Office. Um, and so I really want to get you guys back on because we've been doing a lot of graph stuff on the show. Yeah. And I thought it was really important to kind of revisit this whole thing of like, okay, well, <coughs> where's these add-ins gone since I think Richard DeZoriga and um, Andrew Coates did a show a while ago where um, they were covering off these things. So if you were in an elevator with Sartre and you had to pitch what add-ins were in two minutes, how would you do it, Juan? Uh, I would say that an add-in is basically a way you can – extend Office applications, you know, to add, you know, 
area, specific areas, uh, specific <laughs> subject areas as part of the product very easily. Um, that will be my two-minute pitch. Now it's like creating extensions for office products mm -hmm. using web technologies. And yeah, that will be my two-minute or, right. like, or less pitch. And, and it was pretty ambitious, like you just mentioned before, like these dreams of having addings across the different platforms. And yeah. when I was in marketing in 2013, like we launched the Office JS model, and mm -hmm. um, we used to show this kind of like slide of here's when it's coming to Mac Office, and here's when it's mm -hmm. coming to iPad, uh, Excel, and yeah. this is when these things are going to reach these other clients. But kind of now with the platform play, it's basically, it's there across those different yes. devices. You know, I, and I think that was a natural evolution of Office extensibility because you, I mean, Office has been, what, three years around? And there's always been, yeah, I think, one of, one of the reasons that I think Office was very successful is because it ha always had, you know, an easy way to automate it. You mm -hmm. know, people creating macros and, and, you know, and using BBA, using either, right. uh, a lot of technologies you can use to extend Office. BSTO was, you know, the flavor to extend it using the .NET framework. But then uh, I think as Office moved from, you know, from Windows only to other platforms, you know, we needed a model that uh, that can actually function correctly in the cloud. You know, yeah. and that's why back in 2013 we have this idea of of doing being open to not only Office developers but also web developers. And we thought about you know using web technologies to to do it, and that's why we have you know the the model today. It's basically HTML, JavaScript five, or any other web technology you want to use. That also includes calling the graph and all mm -hmm. that. Um, and then we have the JavaScript APIs, JavaScript APIs. So I think the two core values of the new platform were you know that the promise of right ones run in all the platforms. And also, you know, one of the problems that we previously had with extensions was around around deploying them. Exactly. You know, mm -hmm. deploying yeah. a product that has .NET framework dependencies. Uh, yeah, it's, we'll, we'll talk to it's extremely painful. Testing across different uh, devices, they'll they'll be on their dev machine, but then we also know they keep a separate machine to test around different versions of Excel. Well, and, yeah, the different Office versions. Right, and, right. Exactly. And then um, there was a, one developer I was speaking to, and he was talking about uh, how he deploys his VSTO add-in, and he would say, oh, yeah, deployment isn't really an issue. I just have my users uninstall and reinstall their add-in each time. And... Uh, Internally, I was just cringing when I heard that. I'm like, no, that we can do so much better. And I think this is where the web add-in uh, platform really provides uh, additional value and capabilities. Yeah. Uh, and even from uh, we were Juan and I, we were just at Ignite, and one of the key themes that we heard from customers at Ignite was around security and keeping uh, yeah. keeping access to specific add-ins for their organization, rather than people emailing around VSTO zips and right, exactly, yes. exactly. Where uh, in the old no, world, for BBA, with BBA, BBA deployment is basically sharing a file. Exactly. Yeah. With macros exactly. and all that. You know? And now, now with the web add-in model and Office 365 centralized deployment, you can control, hey, I want to send, uh, enable this add-in for the marketing organization. Right. And um, also, also allow the ability for your end users or your uh, uh, employees to discover additional add-ins available through AppSource. And then um, allow IT to de deploy them if they provide a lot of value. And so the scenarios uh, you want to be clear on. I think when people think of add-ins, they immediately lead to the store and ISVs mm -hmm. that have built some incredible things that yes. kind of enhance Excel and Word and PowerPoint and so forth. Yeah. But there is that play with internal enterprise development teams building stuff for particular departments or business processes across the, Absolutely. the realm. Exactly. So I'm yeah. going to ask two of you. Or for your favorite enterprise dev one and your favorite ISV one. And I'm pretty sure I know what Juan's ISV one is because he just has always been relentless with these guys. So, Juan, you go first. Best best story you've seen, maybe you can't mention the customer name, but in terms of a business process being snapped into Excel um, that's been built for just that organization. Yeah, um, we have uh, many different scenarios. No? When we, my favorite one, actually, to... To answer this is that you know ISBs are building solutions to rapidly 
assist in common scenarios like reporting, for instance. Yeah. So there's there's this need about you know keeping one uh, enterprise style and you know mm-hmm. uh, logos and types of documents, you know, and and just people that create those templates just yeah. in a workbook. They they just market in the named named items basically across the workbook and say, hey, here we're going to drop data from a, from a specific month or from a specific customer. And then when the user opens those documents, uh, and the add-in actually reads all those tags, goes to an external system, I don't know, like SAP or other uh, CRM, uh, and bring bring the data in, you know, and they can create reports almost immediately, you know? So I think that those are my favorite scenarios when people really are more productive, even more productive within Office. And they don't have to leave Excel to go do right. stuff. They just yeah. have the adding shop on the right-hand side exactly. and, and I, interact. I mean, just in the, in the enterprise, it's such a complex thing just to find the right template. Mm-hmm. You know, for example, you want to create a document. So these, these add-ins mm-hmm. provide you with, first of all, an easy way to discover what are the, all, all those templates or reports and then generate them easily. I mean... And this is something that it's, you can actually do with an iPad and all the scenario that you use just you, with your finger. It's so funny, like, you know, the way we demoed the new Teams APIs, the way the SharePoint guys demo their stuff is, like, the provisioning scenario is the first thing you do. Mm-hmm. And, like, I remember when we did one, a build, where mm-hmm. it was kind of, it created the tabs or the sheets in Excel, and then it injected right. charts in there and injected data, yeah. all with super simple lines of JavaScript that, as a web developer, there was no learning curve to. And, exactly. Um, There's like a mix between code as well as content, and the content is really where um, your enterprise's personality comes through, mm-hmm. and you're essentially using code to drive that content. Um, so outside of like kind of the reporting and styling, what mm-hmm. other things have you seen, Kea, from like enterprises building stuff just for their own business purposes? Sure. So um, in terms of just in addition to document generation, we've seen uh, different scenarios around custom calculations that an enterprise may need. Um, for example, let's say you do want to you're in the context of Excel, and you want to uh, connect to your backend ERP system. You can go and have a function um, that goes and queries that data. Likewise, it's not only a one-way street. We have partners um, building uh, functions that can actually send data back to back into your system. And that was one of the demos that we showcased at Ignite. And that's kind the, of I'm in a cell. I do the equals character. Exactly. And You're just creating your own function. Name. Yeah, your own function name that um, the add-in has. It's just a part of an add-in. Right. And uh, you're able to use that within your model. And when you say an Excel function that's like using average or count or sum, you're building a custom one of those. Correct. But under the covers, what is that doing? Is that calling an Azure function? Like where does the actual work of whatever that function does get executed? Right. So so it really depends. Um, What we've seen is there's, uh, it's, your actual function code can be anywhere from uh, a few lines of code to as much depending on the type of scenario you're doing. Uh, what we've seen uh, as a trend with other partners is you're always going to be limited by the CPU power on your client's machine. Uh, and this is where the power of Azure and things like the Microsoft Graph come in, which is you can go scale out mm-hmm. by essentially bringing in a server-side component. And within your server-side component, you can scale out the calculations to as many uh, different machines that you need. Yeah. Um, it, back, so for me, I actually spent most of my career on the Excel team. Uh, started off in test and then became a... a product manager. And one of the things I worked on as a tester was this thing called uh, Excel and high-performance computing. So at the time, uh, one of our existing models is uh, creating these uh, functions in C and C++. And so what we did was we added an integration in um, Excel 2010 that allowed you to offload the calculations to a Windows HPC server. Uh, yeah. Server cluster, and uh, this this I think predated some of cloud computing, and so this was more of hey offloading calculations to your on-prem computing. Um, now with Azure and using Azure Functions, mm-hmm. um, you can actually essentially host your backend logic and then have an Azure function endpoint which your custom function can go go and call. Uh, one of the scenarios we highlighted at Ignite was a translate function. 
And this translate function just used the re great resources we have on docs.microsoft.com to call Microsoft's cognitive services. Just follow that tutorial. And within a few hours, I was able to wrap that in an Azure function. And then I just added the Excel function, Excel JavaScript code that called that and returned. Uh, called Microsoft's backend to actually do the translation. So it translated to whatever the text was. Right, so we, we, we translated uh, things like where is the bathroom in yeah, different right. languages. Huh. Um, and, and I think that's that really speaks to the power of not only how developers that um, are coming from a cloud world can bring their integrations and make them available to users inside of Office, um, but also how if you're an existing Calm developer and you've had it, uh, a bunch of logic already stored in uh, your Calm ad and how you should start to think about, hey, how you want to augment that uh, as you your organizations move to Office and Microsoft 365. Mm -hmm. um, we had a partner, Solver, uh, they're frontline systems. And uh, they have a really uh, great story in that back in Excel 3.0, <laughs> uh, they were an add-in, um, uh, they were a VBA add-in uh, that uh, shipped in the box with Excel. Wow. Um, and I think they're still in the box. Uh, their, uh, their VBA or their um, comm add-in is available in the box today. And over the past number of years, they've taken this great journey where uh, they've taken a lot of their um, logic that was on the CPU and moved that into Azure. Yeah. Um, and they have this uh, great API that even uh, other competitors of theirs actually use to call. Wow. So they have a really cool story. This is a really great example of, of how a partner can actually use because you're, you're talking about mostly custom functions, no? how you can mm -hmm. add your own custom functions to Excel. Uh, that in combination with an add-in, mm -hmm. that combination right. of technologies, it's really, you can achieve uh, impressive things because here you have the powerful power of the cloud backing up all the calculations that you exactly. need to do. And on the other hand, you have an Excel add-in. We showed this in at Ignite. Importing data into Excel, you know, creating pivots or visual, any visualization you need, and then using that data, that summarized data, to calculate. Uh, in this case, was the tickets, no? The, right, right. How to we optimize the ticket, the tickets. Yeah, the, the scenario uh, we highlighted was this uh, example of yeah. a, uh, airline. an airline that had a, a analyst who imported. Uh, ticket information and analyze the number of no-shows. So every flight, if you're a, a passenger, you're always at the risk of, uh, towards the end, they look for volunteers uh, who want to be rebooked for some additional compensation. Uh, but uh, likewise, if you're the airline, every flight, uh, people won't show up. Mm -hmm. And so that's potentially lost revenue for the airline. Because once the airplane takes off, uh, that's yeah. it. There's no way to get that money and back. And this thing was actually helping the customer in this case to find the ideal number of extra tickets sold no? for exactly. a given airline. Exactly. So it's, uh, it was very and cool. And so they, they used both the power of Excel APIs and custom functions uh, to do some advanced Monte Carlo simulations. And it really, based off of the conditions um, that were set, uh, we were able to realize, hey, Contoso Airlines, you should sell 130 tickets for this, or I think it was maybe 330 tickets for this uh, yeah. airplane that fit 300 people. It's amazing, really. I remember, and I should probably look what episode number it was on the show where we did kind of Excel add-ins before. And yeah. one of the things when I was in marketing, meeting with a lot of the customers, was um, the amount of people that had these teams. That were all they were there to do was to fix up people's Excel spreadsheets. <laughs> yes. So whether it was like VBA script or, or you know VSTO stuff that <laughs> you know financial teams or business modeling teams that built in Excel um, that were business critical that as soon as they broke they need to be fixed instantly. And so there was these teams of Excel guys that would just jump in and and fix them. Yep. And yeah. so yep. you know, having this more structured approach where you know it's, it's web, it's JavaScript. Um, it can be put in the cloud really helps I guess put a little bit more rigor around these things so that maybe they aren't script that's just running on someone's desktop and that hey this stuff's in source control and it's deployed through mm -hmm. a deployment process right. and it's controlled right. who gets yes. deployed and yes. 
Yeah, um, we have uh, another partner we're working with. Uh, they're a company um, out of Germany, uh, Jetox. And one of the things that they specialize in is uh, just exactly that uh, business planning and uh, workflows and making sure, hey, if a user takes this mission-critical spreadsheet and they somehow replace the formula with the value that their tools can audit that. And uh, because it, once you've broken that link in your spreadsheet, you change a value and your uh, functions don't calculate the right way, well, you've made a decision um, on some incorrect data. Mm -hmm. And so uh, there are partners uh, yeah. out there that are building solutions that actually help uh, bring that to the forefront. And, and people are living and dying by this. They're embedding these Excel spreadsheets and charts directly into SharePoint pages now mm -hmm. and into their portals because mm -hmm. right. the web's kind of pitch of it. Yeah. Um, so it's becoming, well, it's always been a big place for data, and I guess it's just going to get bit bigger and better. Yeah. And so um, an ISV from your side, who's your go-to if you were going to do a demo to a new ISV and showcase kind of someone who's gone really deep in Excel add-ins, where would you go? Uh, well, I, I, I don't know. I will have a hard time choosing one. We, we have the same. We had a sh show with her two weeks ago. She's like, oh, it's like saying pick your favorite child. I'm like, you have a favorite child. You, you know what? At Dignet, we showed this partner, Hang Han. Yeah. You remember yep. that, right? That's what I was That
Yeah. And right. so it's like, well, you know, you should really get here because eventually we'll get to it all. And I remember standing up there with Rob Lefferts, who's now in security yeah. right. high up, um, where we're like, yeah, we'll get there, we'll get there. And like every year we'd like, we'd tick off another box. Mm. And then the other thing was, it was just the depth of the APIs yeah. versus yeah. VSTR yes. and VBA. That's what so Juan's been spending his I'm whole year Dutch. on. <laughs> I'm assuming three years later, Juan's got a good answer for me. Man, yes, I actually, and th yeah, that was a challenge. You know, when, when you talk with people about the platform, they, they get excited about build ones run anywhere, mm -hmm. any platform. They they are in love actually with our deployment story because deploying an add-in is super simple compared to other technologies. And when they started to build their add-ins, when one point of frustration was, boy, I don't have enough APIs to because I mean the investment to create a platform was huge, you know, and mm -hmm. we added some APIs. And always, you know, the platform have this fame of, okay, I love it, but I don't have everything that I need to create an awesome solution. Right. So we listened to feedback loud and clear, uh, and we actually invested very heavily on the top two office apps that are most used, no? Excel and Outlook. And actually, mm -hmm. I was lucky to be driving the effort for, for Excel APIs. Oh, so you were like working at what the gap was that meant they couldn't move and build those right. things out. Exactly. Right, okay. So in the, past few, in the past year, actually, we were able to literally add almost thousands of new APIs to the JavaScript. Wow. Uh, and, and you still work out in the open, right? Like you, back then it was all in GitHub, all the specs people were going to see. Yes, yeah. the, this is the, the way that we operate. You yeah. know, we, we publish our specs uh, online and uh, we push probably, probably the pointers in your, in your blog page. But basically we are telling people what are we doing. And obviously it's exposed to critique. See, they want us to change something or... Uh, and yeah. then we and, also and the key is we, we document that right before we actually do that work. Right? Exactly. So, and it, all the life cycle is there, you know. Then mm -hmm. at some point the API is done and we release it to preview, and people can actually install install insider slow or fast. Try the APIs in beta, give us further feedback, and until we feel it's it's golden, we basically release it. No. So. So what would you say like were the top four of those APIs that you feel like people. Or every building night you went to, you're like, oh, if I hear this one more time. Yeah. Uh, there are not only, by the way, there are not only APIs for this. There are also gaps around performance, for example. People were concerned mm -hmm. about it. We significantly invested also in performance, and now it's, I show one of my demos in Ignite. Yeah. The only one that I got cells. a huge applause yeah. was inserting 4 million cells like in less than 10 seconds. Wait, so, what? Yeah, so yeah. with JavaScript, no? So everybody was like, wow. Right. Okay, that's but impressive. The, I would also say the Tetris demo that you did was pretty cool. We did a Tetris demo. Yeah. This is just for fun because we were doing the Shapes API. Yeah. And many people use shapes, you know, rectangles, triangles, mm. and stuff to create dashboards and create, you know, UI experiences within tables to click and get additional information. And I was telling the team, oh, actually, what's your idea? Uh, why don't we do a Tetris? No, because we're doing the Shapes API. Mm. Isn't that? Let's try them. You know, yeah. <laughs> one guy in our team in China actually uh, did a Tetris game yeah. in Excel. Yeah. Well, that's really and funny. the uh, backstory there but, was uh, back in 2007, we had uh, we were releasing the new uh, shapes within Office, and we wanted to verify the quality. And so on the Excel team, we would do these uh, real-world scenario testing. And so uh, we created Tetris in VBA. <laughs> And so we, we handed that off to uh, yeah. our API team and said, hey, go go run with this. See what you can do yeah, with we, our new model. It was like a challenge. Like, guys, here's a challenge if you want to do it. Right. And one day in the weekend, just go and yeah. do it. Yeah. Packed and, it up. And, I love that. But yeah. that was just for, for fun, no? But what we've what be, what be, what be been hearing from our community is the four main areas that they were asking is, uh, I would say the first one was events. So people were asking us to... We, we, we had some kind of support for, for events a long time ago, but it was very shallow, no? So they asked more details. For example, if you change a cell, something as simple as knowing the old values and the new values that you're changing, mm -hmm. you know, that's something that we're working on. M more events in other objects in Excel. For example, when people select a chart or when they select uh, an image or when they select a different worksheet and all, all that, no? So, so right. we, we delivered that. And these are important so folks can build add-ins that react to what that user actually is. Exactly. When you, when you think about the whole picture, 
using custom functions, it's basically writing a formula into the grid, right? Yeah, so yeah, yeah. We, we write it and in streaming. Right. Stream, and it recalcs. The type which, of, exactly, the type of streaming function that is constantly triggering other calculation events that we also have, plus cell changes. So your adding can actually be reacting to changes coming from a custom function, which is really awesome. Second one is data validation. So people are uh, crazy about, especially in, in solutions like the way, I, the way I was describing about syncing data back to, to a system. You want to make sure that people type the right information in the cells. People tables. Sorry, I've been smoking for a while. I, you keep tapping the table. And oh, I'm like, sorry. I can just imagine you like on your commute to work on your bicycle and thinking, God damn it, that speaker must be moving his hands around all the time. <laughs> yeah, sorry, so I want to have you sit on your hands for the rest of the episode. I really get excited about what I'm talking about. No, because you know... We, we love this stuff. We've been fighting for this for, for years, no? So I... Uh, People tables, people tables. So there's a, another breed of add-ins that people like, you know, the data analysis. For that, you need a bunch of support for people tables and charts. And so you can create a pivot table in the API? You can create pivot tables. Is it easier than creating a pivot table in the UI for an API? <laughs> well, the idea is that it would be easier yeah. for the end I user, still right? haven't worked out how to do that properly. Your add-in could have an easy button that just creates the <laughs> yeah. pivot table for you. In fact, something that got, got a lot of press during Ignite was the new our new add-in that we shipped as preview, the ideas add-in for Excel. Mm-hmm. That it, this adding is very cool because it actually analyzes the data currently in your worksheet, and it gives you ideas. No, if you want to visualize this data, I don't know, with a pie chart or with whatever type of chart, uh, uh, you can do it, or you can insert, you can summarize it with a pivot like this, and, and so it's it's, so it's like the slide. Uh, ideas thing in PowerPoint, but for Excel. Exactly. Right. Well, that's cool. Yeah. There's a there's another one uh, which is uh, going back to the, some of the things that you can do with the event capabilities is the Microsoft Flow add-in. Uh, so with the Microsoft Flow add-in, when a value changes within your sheet, you could actually go and uh, use this add-in to kick off a Microsoft Flow that uh, essentially right. syncs that value or uh, updates the SharePoint list based off of that user's action. Hmm. Let me close a little bit on the ideas sure, on the ideas sure. add-in because. One of the things that it's uh, that it's really great is that this add-in suggests you basically anything in your data, any type of chart, any type. If it's a geographic chart, insert you know a map of the U.S. or something like that. So they were one of the guys driving requirements as well for the team. Uh, so they had a bunch of things that were perceived gaps that you had to go build out. To exactly. So there were gaps in charts and. Uh, that they were driving, right? So we want them to be very successful, and we work together with them. And so, how do you take feedback from third parties with those kind of things? Like, obviously, you probably have meetings with the ideas team in person, where you track what features yes. they're after. But externally, are you using user voice or? Yes, we have a user voice channel. Okay. Um, and people, you know, upload things that we we consider that also for our prioritization mm-hmm. of our backlog. Yeah. No, people asking for features. Many of the things that I'm saying right now, it's used to be items in, in yeah. user voice. We have user voice for uh, recommending features. We use Stack Overflow if folks have questions or developers have any uh, issues. There's also, uh, given that we're inside of Office, there's a great way to send feedback, uh, even if you're a user of an add-in or even a developer, which is um, through like the feed- send feedback button yeah. directly uh, there. And so it's part of our... Uh, bug triage processes. We get mails around when someone posts a question on Stack Overflow, you just tag it with Office.js or you add an item to user voice. Likewise, if you send a smile or send a frown, we're getting all of that information. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, so basically at Ignite, we announced the release of the 1.8 version. This is the eighth release of the API. And we also announced the new beta. So the new beta has almost 500 mm-hmm. new APIs. And 1.8 has, again, data validation, pivots, a bunch of events for charts, calc, create workbook, which is a scenario critical for the scenario I was telling you about templating. Yeah, so opening yeah. a separate workbook with an add-in on it um, and other cool stuff there. Um, so did you, your engineering team just kind of get multiplied this year or have they just been crunching hard? Yeah. I think it's been... Mo- 
a little of focus as yeah. well. Just going back to a, one yeah. mentioning um, knowing our telemetry and the use usage was focused first on Excel and Outlook. Mm -hmm. So the team said, okay, let's focus on really nailing these uh, two products and these platforms first. Uh, that's not to say we really believe in the awesome scenarios that you can achieve with Word and PowerPoint yeah. as well. But this year was just a, just a general focus on those two. Right. Yes. That's incredible. And then we're having a team in Beijing. Uh, the the most of the bulk of the work they did it, and in fact, they have to move to Beijing for three months <laughs> to work with them and wow. you know delivering all these things. So it was it was a great experience. Yeah. So you, you were over there. I was there for three months. I did see on Instagram that you seem to have been there for a while. Yeah, yeah, we're yeah. That's I was awesome. posting a lot, yeah, actually. A, yeah, awesome photos of your trip. Yeah, yeah it, it was great. You must have been on some dodgy private VPN to get those on Instagram. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've been there, too. Everything's locked down. Oh, yeah. that's right. I forgot. <laughs> VPN, guys. VPN. I always know when my friends in China are in the country because suddenly they light up on social when they're not normally <laughs> when they're in China. <laughs> always reach out. Where are you? Right. In Seattle? We've got to yeah, catch up. Yeah. Um, and so uh, in, in terms of getting started, care like where do you send people if they want to learn about kind of building their first add-in mm -hmm. or writing the first right. custom function sure so so uh the best place to go for all up add-in whether it's excel outlook word powerpoint is to head over to dev.office.com yeah. and um yeah. you can learn more about our add-in platform uh some of the things that Juan and i have chatted today around our new apis and custom functions there's actually a great add-in that you can use um called script lab yes so script lab is this uh, garage project that uh, the team created it actually originated as part of a hackathon so every year microsoft spends a week to do uh essentially inspire employees to focus on things that they they want um, users to achieve. And uh, this add-in essentially is your sandbox. It's your graph explorer, which lets you try uh, different capabilities out. So if you just go to dev.office.com, um, we'll have guidance. And then if you head over to uh, the Office Store, you can try the Script Lab add-in. Cool. Yeah, I've used that. It's actually super useful to get started. It's like the Graph Explorer for Microsoft Graph. But yes. You guys have for exactly. add-ins. It has a bunch of examples, and you can share your snippets. And yeah. Awesome. Well, look, um, I'll make sure all those links you've mentioned during the show notes. A big thank you to jump in the show. And when we get you on in six months' time, there'll be like another thousand APIs that have been added to the the Office add-in model. Yeah. So that's awesome. Yeah. Thank uh, you. Thanks for inviting well, me. Thank Jeremy. you. Great. This was great. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Microsoft 365 Developer Podcast. Please follow us on Twitter at M365DevPodcast and check out our show notes at www.m365devpodcast.com. To help us spread the word, we'd really appreciate it if you could retweet our episode tweets and give us a review on iTunes. That's all, folks. 